Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. We are currently in a series right now that we're simply calling Multiply. In fact, that's the word for the year for Encounter Church. For the year 2022, we're processing through what does it look like to multiply. And it's interesting, once God gave us this word, we begin to see this idea of multiplication unfold in every area that our church is connected with, be that our district or other meetings that we go to, one after another, we're grabbing books and all these things about multiply. And I'm realizing there's a theme that God's trying to get into our hearts, that we're called not just to sit in our seats on a Sunday morning, we're called not just to go through the routines of church and, and religion, but we're called to multiply the kingdom of God. We're to multiply the impact for the kingdom of God in our community. We are called to multiply our generosity and our serving and our giving of ourselves for his kingdom. We're called to multiply our influence to the lost and the broken and the hurting, to bring them in, to see God begin to do an incredible work. And as we see this unfold in the early church, so we must do it today. You see, I don't think it's happenstance that we see this happening in the book of Acts. I don't think it's happenstance that the moment Jesus said, here's what you guys have to do, you have to go into all the world and share the good news with everyone everywhere, and suddenly they began to seek after the things of God, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were filled and transformed and renewed in Him, and suddenly the church began to grow and multiply and multiply and multiply as God's people were faithful to be and do what He's called them to do. Likewise, we as a church, we encounter church here at the Sedalia location, but also in our Warrensburg location, we're seeing God do some absolutely incredible things. We're seeing more people every weekend than we've ever seen before. We're growing by leaps and bounds. Why? Because we have a passion to reach people. And I hope and I trust that by this point, in this journey. Man, we're three months in to multiply. I hope and I trust and I pray that by this point in this journey that you're beginning to grab a hold of this vision, this passion, this burning desire to reach the lost, to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Let's look at what's happening up to this point in the book of Acts. We've discovered that the early church has grabbed a hold of this vision or this mandate from Jesus to go and make disciples. They, they sought after this promise. The outpouring of the Spirit fell upon them. And by the way, if you've missed any of the weeks coming up to this point, man, I challenge you, do one of two things. Either A, start at Acts chapter 1 and, and catch up get to where we are, or a B, even go on and check out the podcast or the, the videos on the app or the website somewhere, grab that and let it sink into your heart. Today we find ourselves in chapter 5 of Acts. Something very interesting is transpiring at this moment. You see, a husband and wife have sold a piece of property, but the sale of the property cost them more than they expected. Now, pastor, did you just mess up your words? No, 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 no. The sale 
cost them something. Now, typically, when we sell something, we are expecting some form of gain, right? We're going to receive some finances. We're going to receive something in compensation for what we have sold. But in this situation, yes, they received money, but it cost them way more than the money than they received. If you would, allow me to read to you in its context what happened in Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. It says, There was a certain man named Ananias, who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought parts of the money to the apostles. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, he bought part of it. He brought part of the money. Now, that's not the issue. That's not the problem. No one said he had to bring all the money. No one said that he had to give everything he received. But here's the problem. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming... Look, it's your other neighbor, you know, the one that you forgot about a moment ago? It said, he claimed it was the full amount. He brought part of the money to the apostles, but he claimed it was the full amount. This was done with his wife's consent, but he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your hearts? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us. You were lying to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, you ready for this? He fell to the floor dead. Wow. Sale of this property cost him a lot, didn't it? Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young man got up, wrapped him in a sheet, took him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for the land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Today, I want to take a few moments. I want to look at a difficult topic. You see, it would be easy for me to look at the book of Acts and and to process through and only grab the easy topics. It would be easy for me to say, man, let's talk about the church multiplying by the thousands. Let's do that every week. Let's talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at some miracles that transpired. Let's look at some of those things. But you know what? I believe the Bible in its full completion must be consumed and applied to our lives. 
So here we have Ananias and Sapphira. They sold a piece of property. They, they come in to the apostles, bringing some of the money to them. And again, no one told them they had to bring any money, but it was their choice, willfully giving, but they claimed it was the full amount. What I want to talk about today is this idea of integrity. As a church, as an encounter church, integrity is vitally important in our lives, in our existence as a church. In fact, so much so that it's one of our core values. We model integrity at all times. So let me ask you, what does integrity mean to you? Is it a big deal? Is it worth taking time on a Sunday morning to talk about, or is it just something that kind of passes by and you grab a hold when you want, ignore it the rest of the time? You see, integrity is a really big deal to God. We see this inconsistency or even a lack of integrity in the life of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. That's what I want to look at. How does a lack of integrity affect your life as a Christian personally and with the world around you? How does a lack of integrity, and I want you to examine yourself today. The Bible over and over talks about examining ourselves. In other words, doing a once-over from head to toe. In fact, there are times that I'm in prayer and I'm like, God, just, man, surface that junk in my life. Whatever that is that, that's, that's clouding the waters, God, whatever that is that's, that's causing issues, God, Lord, if there's anything in me that is tainting what you want to accomplish in and through my life, Lord, surface that to the top. But Lord, just don't surface it. Give me the boldness to get rid of it. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that idea in a moment. But process this question. How does a lack of integrity affect your life as a Christian personally? But then what effect does it have on the world around you, your circle of influence, your co-workers, those in your household, maybe those in your life group? How does this lack of integrity affect that relationship or the way that you move forward with the things of God in that relationship. Today, I want to look at three truths of integrity. Three truths of integrity. Number one is this. The choice of integrity is yours. You see, for Ananias and Sapphira, it was their choice whether to move forward with integrity or not. It wasn't up to the apostles, the, the early leaders in the church. It wasn't up to the crowd that was around that day. It, it wasn't up to the guys hanging out outside that would soon carry Sapphira out and bury her by her husband. It wasn't up to any of them. It was up to Ananias and Sapphira. It's up to you and me Will I choose today to live a life of integrity or will I just kind of go through the motions? 
Look at this. David, the psalmist David, in Psalm chapter 7, he says this. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. That's a bold prayer. That's a really bold prayer. God, judge me by my righteousness, my right standing, by the behaviors that I maintain. Judge me by the integrity at the core of my existence. God, let this be the baseline that you judge my entire life off of. Oh, now, we would much rather God judge us in comparison to the person that messes up more than we do. Right? Because that's what we do. We justify, well, at least I'm not as bad as they are. At least I don't do the things that they do. I saw what they put on Facebook. I'm not even nearly that bad. Right? Come on. But David says, man, don't judge me by the faults and the struggles and the failures of people around me. I want you to take a really good look at my life. Lord, judge me by my righteousness. Well, the Bible also says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. You ever try to clean something up with a filthy rag? I have. It does not work. You end up making a bigger mess than before. Judge me by my righteousness. Lord, judge me by my integrity. So much courage was required in this moment for David to cry out to God for this sort of judgment. Judge me according to my, my integrity, my, my holiness. God, judge me by what's all inside of me. And the cool thing is God, the way he judges is not based upon somebody else's opinion. When God gets ready to look at your life and make a judgment call, he doesn't go, okay, let's do a poll real quick. How many of you think Pastor Luke is a man of integrity? No hands went up. Oh, one hand. We have one hand. I I see that hand this morning. He he doesn't do that. He doesn't get the, the public opinion, but he bases it off his truth. He bases it off who he is. But here's the problem. There's this shortage in our society today of people with a life of integrity. There's a shortage of people holding on to the truth. Influences on television, influences at the workplace, influences on the radio. This shortage of integrity can even be found in our political leaders. Let's get personal. It can be found in many churches. It can even be found in our own households. So if there's this shortage of integrity, it's vitally important that we understand what it means to have integrity. What does the word integrity even mean? We throw it around, but what does it mean as we apply it to our lives? By definition, it's an adherence. In other words, a holding on to or a clinging to moral and ethical principles. It's holding on to what we know is right. It's holding on to what we know is true. 
It's holding on to the things of God. It goes on to say it's incorruptible. Wow, that's a big one. In other words, we're basing these moral and ethical principles upon the Word of God. Listen carefully. This is the truth. Young people, listen. TikTok is not the truth. (laughs) Don't you laugh. But we've got a generation of young people and even a few older people that are watching things like TikTok and social media and they're basing their religious beliefs and their doctrinal stance off of TikTok. Because somebody got a lot of views, they must be the truth. Hmm. By the way, that wasn't in my notes, so that must have been from the Spirit, so grab a hold of that (laughs) today. This is our foundation. The Bible says, hide God's Word in your hearts that you might not sin against Him. Hide this. How do you hide God's word? No, that, no. You digest it. You read it. You absorb it. You let God speak in and through it. You allow the words in the word of God, the the words and the text and and the foundation of who God is, you allow it to invade your life. You spend time in his word. The problem here is that in our culture, we base truth and morals and integrity not on the Word of God, but on what surrounds us and what somebody has to say. Truth in our society has become a matter of opinion, depending on how it affects you or depending on how I perceive it, depends on whether it's true or not. Listen carefully. Truth is truth. Wrong is wrong. Right is right. There's not a, well, if it works for you, it's okay. If it works for you, then you can do the opposite of them, and then it'll be fine. No, 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 no. If it's wrong, it's wrong. So what are we going to do with this idea of integrity? Are we just going to play with it all day long and sit it over there someplace? And well, on Sundays, we'll grab a hold of that. On Sundays, we'll embrace that. But through the week, we're going to live like hell. Come on. But oftentimes, isn't that what we do? Oh, I can see all the religious faces right now. Oh, pastor, not me, praise God. Glory to God. (laughs) Come on. Are we willing to say, Lord, Lord, here I am. Are we willing to be honest? Lord, I know I've messed up. Lord, I know I keep doing the same stupid thing over and over and over and over and over again. And Lord, I'm tired of it. I need your help. Lord, I I need you 
to lead me. God, I need you to guide me. God, I need you to, to lead my life. Could it be that this shortage of integrity in our lives and in our culture is what's caused the majority of the societal issues? Could it be that the church uh, is not easily different? It's not easy to identify from the culture? Oh, come on now. See, I believe that the church had become so much like a chameleon that we fit in. Judge me, O oh Lord, according to my righteousness, according to the integrity that is within me. As Christians, our greatest witness and example to others is how do we live our lives with integrity? Did you know that, that people outside of these walls, the moment they hear that you're going to church, they're watching you like a hawk? How are they going to respond? The, the boss has just called them into the office. They can hear the screaming. They can hear the yelling. How are they going to respond when they walk out of those doors? Our character must be above reproach. Therefore, the choices that we make, how we respond in life, must be set on a foundation of the Word of God. The Bible says that, that everything we do and everything we say must be done as a representative of Jesus Christ. Now, don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not saying that as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, that you're going to be perfect in every moment. Truth be told, you won't be. Again, the Bible is very clear. We're going to fall short. You're going to have moments when your fleshly side comes out. I have it. I do. We all do. We have those moments when we say things or do things that we know that we shouldn't have done, and then we're like, stupid me, right? Come on, anybody else? The question is, what are we going to do next time that comes around? Are we going to choose to live our lives in a way, in a manner that honors the things of God and honors who he is, or are we just going through the motions? I'm not talking about being perfect. Here's what I'm talking about. Are you living your life with a willingness to deliberately choose deception or hypocrisy in life? That's the question. Not are you living a perfect life, but are you willfully choosing deception and hypocrisy in your life? It was George McDonald that said this, half of the misery in the world comes from trying to look instead of trying to be what one is not. Half the problem is trying to put on this front. 
Come on, we see it. It's all around us. We, we try so hard to be something else, to impress somebody else, to get as many likes as we can. Because surely if we get more likes, then life's going to be better. We're fooling ourselves. The choice that Ananias and Sapphira had to make was this. Were they going to be honest or not? It was their choice to sell the property. It was their choice whether to give the money or not. Yet they chose to to move into a situation of hypocrisy or deliberately choosing deception, trying to be something that they weren't, claiming one amount but giving another. Acts chapter 5, verse 2 and 4. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Verse 4, the property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Here's the question. And ask yourself this this morning. Can you be trusted to speak the truth? Can you be trusted to do what you say? Can you be trusted to model who you say you are? Now, these are vitally important questions, very difficult questions nonetheless, but important questions for the believer to ask ourselves. Why? Because we've got to evaluate where we are. Don't just kind of go through motions. You'll find yourself, if you never evaluate where you are, you'll find yourself down here someplace with all these flaws that you never realized were in your life because you never dealt with them. Come on, you guys are quiet today. Look at our second truth. The first, it's your choice. Integrity is your choice. The second is this. What, are you, what will you allow in your life Because what you allow in your life makes a difference. What you allow in your life makes a difference. Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Why have you allowed Satan to fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Have you ever noticed that letting a little junk into your life brings about more junk? Come on. Have you ever realized you let a little bit here and a little bit there, it it ends up piling up? I remember as a kid, actually I was probably an early teenager, we had a big kids event at the church that I grew up in, and, and I'll never forget this song. It had puppets in the whole bit, and I don't remember any of that, but all I remember is the song said this, input, output, what goes in is what comes out. That has stuck with me for 30 plus years now, input, output, what goes in is what comes out. What I allow into my life is going to regulate or, or taint what comes out of my life. Your life ends up becoming this dumping ground for issues and stress and struggles and controversy and and problems in life. Why? Because you let a little in here and you never swept it out. We look at this verse and 
Peter says, why have you let Satan fill your hearts? And this word fill, it literally means to make full or to fill to the top. I'd venture to say that Ananias and Sapphira didn't just one day walk up and go, Satan, fill me up. I can't imagine that, that any of us in the room would do that. But a little here and a little there, a little compromised in this moment, a little bending of the truth over here, a little giving in over there, and, and before you know it, it piles and it piles and it piles on top of one another to the point that you become full of the junk rather than the goodness of God. One of my favorite quotes when it comes to integrity is by Greg Johnson. Out of the book, Character of Leadership, he says this, every Samson who laid with Delilah Every David who betrayed his Uriah, every Judas who sold out his Jesus, began his downfall with the thoughts. Now, you may not recognize all of those names, but suffice it to say, each one of them had a pivotal moment. But what led them up to that was this thought process, the compromise, the bending, the giving in, all of these things led up to that moment of betrayal, led up to that moment of, of selling out, led up to that moment of giving in to that situation. Every Samson who laid with Delilah, every David who betrayed his Uriah, every Judas who sold out his Jesus began his downfall with a thought. But the great news is this. Are you ready for some good news? But I know that I've been hitting you hard this morning. I know this is hard to, to work through. Some of you are like, your toes are hurting right now. But grab a hold of this. There is good news in this. We do not have to stay that way. The Bible says that since Jesus has made a better way available to us, since the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth, since God loves us so much to leave us where we are, he supplies a way out of the situation. He gives us an opportunity to choose. Here we are. Ananias and Sapphira we're at a pivotal moment. I can imagine the conversation. They've got all this money in their hands. They're like, this is a lot of money. What are we going to do with this? And maybe Sapphira said, well, Ananias, we need to give it to the church because everybody in the church is piling the money together and we're working through all this together. We're taking care of the needs in the community. Let's just give it to them. And maybe, maybe Ananias, he looked at Sapphira and said, well, why don't we just give them part of the money? We can just tell them, hey, this is half the money. And they're like, well, what if? <laughs> what if we gave them half the money but said it was all the money? Boom. Started the thoughts. But here's our way out. Ephesians chapter 4. 
Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, and he says this, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, come on, Jesus will lead you, he'll guide you, he's got the truth. Throw off your old sinful nature and former way of life, which is corrupt, corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, he says, get rid of this, rid yourself of that. Instead, let the Holy Spirit lead you, the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on a new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And then he begins to give us a list. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. Don't sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, for good work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness and rage and anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Here, Paul gives us this vast list of the things that we need to rid our lives of. But grab a hold of this. That is not an all-inclusive. Some of you were listening to me reading that, and you're thinking, oh, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And when I didn't say what you're dealing with, you're like, woohoo, I'm good. Don't think this is an all-inclusive. This is a, a, just a, a suggestion of some basic ideas. He names a few of the biggies. Stop lying. Don't let anger control you. Stop stealing. Watch your mouth. Don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. Then he continues with some potential issues. But what I love is that in the midst of God's word, he doesn't just say, don't do this and don't do that. He says, but here's what you need to do. Instead of letting that behavior control you, instead of grabbing a hold of that behavior and embracing that behavior, Allow the Spirit to equip you to do what God has called you to do. Renew your spirit. Renew your thoughts. Renew your attitude. Be kind. Be tenderhearted. And be forgiving of those around you. And then he says this, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Man. Man, that, that, that's a game changer. Because we want to forgive people. We want to be tenderhearted to them. We want to be kind to them when they forgive us, when they're tenderhearted to us, and when they are nice to us, right? That, that's when we want to, to help somebody else. What's in this for me? 
But the Bible says it doesn't matter how they're treating. It doesn't matter what they're doing. What you need to do is take the example that God has performed in your life. He's forgiven you unconditionally. He's forgiven you from head to toe without reserve. He forgives you. So likewise, we must do the same for others. The problem is we look for loopholes. We try to find a way around. We allow our lives to be tainted. So what is it in your life today that's tainting your witness? What is it that's keeping you from being what God has called you to be? Look at Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Come on, anything that even slows you down, that's the thought. Come on, if you're like me, I don't multitask. I, I, I cannot multitask. I'm going to admit that wholeheartedly right now. i got to do one thing at a time. i got to finish this before I can move here. So suddenly, if you throw a different thought in my brain, what I have to do is go, give me a moment. And i got to process. What's that do? That slows me down. What is it that's slowing down your life? Rid yourself of that today. Strip off every weight that slows you down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who uh, initiates and perfects our faith. Did you see the formula in this? It's a three-step formula. Number one is this, get rid of the junk. Some of you need to write this down. Some of you have been struggling with some things in your life. Some of you have been some battling some stuff in your life. It's been slowing you down. Three steps you need to take. Number one, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You may need to change your environment. You may need to get rid of some stuff. You may need to change the way that you go to work. Whatever that is, get rid of that junk. Don't toy with it. Don't play with it. Don't keep it in the closet for another time and another day, but get rid of it. Number two, run with endurance. You get rid of it, and then you run. I know that's hard, because we don't run. When I say we, I mean me. Running, no good. But in this situation, you've got to run. Run from that situation and run to God. And number three, keep your eyes on Jesus. You rid yourself of it, you run with endurance, and you keep your eyes on Jesus. What is it that you need to strip away in your life? For Ananias and Sapphira, perhaps it was pride that struck them. Maybe the, the previous service they saw the Joneses or the Smiths or somebody else come up with a large sum of money and they thought, man, I got to give this, I got to tell them it's all of it because they only gave half, so we got to pretend that it's all. It's pride in their hearts. They wanted to look better or even be more important than they really were. What are you holding on to that you need to give up today? There's a third truth, and it's this. There are great consequences to our actions. It's our choice. Our choice of how we will deal with integrity. Whatever you allow in your life is going to make a difference. And number three, there's great consequences to our actions. Verse five and six, as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor dead 
Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. Here is what we must understand. The sin that brought about the death of Ananias and Sapphira was not that they robbed God of money. Listen carefully. It wasn't the fact that they robbed God of money. It was the fact that they were deceitful in their approach. They were not forced to sell the property. They weren't forced to give the money, yet they allowed a desire for recognition. They allowed a desire for glory to move in and bring him to a place of sin. I'm going to challenge you today. Look deep into your heart. What is it that could be holding you back? What is it that's keeping you from growing and becoming what God has called you to be? Too often we simply judge ourselves by the exterior, but the Bible says that God judges our heart. Matthew 15, 18 says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. The words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. There are two areas of consequence. As we live a life void of integrity, there's two areas that are going to be affected. Number one is this. It's the destruction of self. A life of inconsistency, a a void of integrity will discredit you as an individual, it will discredit your relationship with Jesus Christ to those around you. And honestly, it discredits the cause of Christ. It's John Pakulda that once said this, whether or not a follower of Jesus keeps his word has huge implications for how the rest of the world views Jesus himself. When Christians are unreliable, the world thinks Jesus is unreliable. A lack of integrity, it burns bridges. It voids relationships. Perhaps relationships that will never be reestablished. But it doesn't just form a, a destruction of self. Number two, it's a destruction of others. We try to discount it by saying, well, no one knows. Have you ever said that? No one knows that I'm doing this. Man, I've gotten away with this for a long time. No one even knows, and quite honestly, it's none of their business. But in reality, your actions affect those in your life. Verse 12 and 13, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple and in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. Verse 13. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had heard high regard for them. Yeah, it goes on in verse 14 to say, yet more and more people believed. But here's where I struggle. If in verse 13 it says, and no one dared to join them, what multiplication could have happened 
if Ananias and Sapphira hadn't given into this heart of pride, of deception? What did they cause? Where did they cause a line to be drawn? Where did they cause issues to begin? At what point, what person, what family, what generation failed to come to know Christ because a man and a woman chose a life void of integrity? The destruction of others. Here's what I've come to understand. If Satan is not able to destroy the church from the outside, he will attempt to cause it to implode from the inside. Now you can take this idea of church to be corporately or you can take it individually because the Bible says that we are the temple, that we are the church. If the enemy can't get you to cause destruction from the outside, he'll begin to work on the inside, causing a void to happen, and suddenly an implosion takes place. That's why it's so important that we arm ourselves with the full armor of God that we read about in Ephesians chapter 6. To clothe ourselves, to cover ourselves with all that he is on a regular basis, to hide his word in our hearts. And I wonder today, are you ready? Are you ready to commit or even recommit to a life of integrity with Christ? Are you ready to rid yourself of the inconsistency, to rid yourself of the compromise, to move into this life that God's called you to live? After all, the only way to truly multiply is to walk in step with the Spirit. And in order to do that, we must leave the old life behind and run with endurance to God. Let's pray. Lord, right now. Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life. 